The following is bonus material from episode 29. It is a discussion between Anna Corminos and Rob Kane. They are providing commentary on a video, which you can see on YouTube, between Mary Beard and Boris Johnson, as they have a very public debate on which is the better culture, ancient Greece or ancient Rome. Okay, well, I, I'm, I sent you a video, but I asked you in, in my email, do you have any opinions about this? And to my surprise, you watched the whole thing. Not that you wouldn't, but, but I, I didn't want to waste your time. But you, I was surprised when I got your email back and you said, oh, I watched the whole thing. And I think it kind of piqued your interest as well. Welcome all to what is going to be an extraordinary evening. We've all played those kind of parlour games, something versus something. In the Marr family on our way to primary school, it would be Prokofiev or Shostakovich, Tolstoy or Dostoevsky. Well, this is the simplistic version, Greece versus Rome. Now, I have to say, for those who may not have attended very carefully to the publicity ahead of time, I should emphasize this is ancient Rome versus classical Greece, which is in many ways a bit of a disappointment to me because I was looking forward to Mary Beard speaking out for Berlusconi and Boris here making the case for Syriza. Um, I, I sincerely hope there are many Greeks and Italians in the audience. Put your hands up if there's any Greeks or Italians in the audience. Just a few. What I really want to know is whether you change your minds and go for the other guys halfway through this debate. These things depend upon intellectual fireworks, and we have two kind of arsenals of intellectual fireworks here. We have Oxford and Cambridge. We, ha we have two great authors who produce many, many books and television programmes. They have made the case for their studies for a very, very long time. Um, Boris, of course, is now running a city which is seething with kind of proletarian dissent, housing crisis, and, oh, and, 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 and it's... And it's <laughs> And its, and, and, and its leaders spend a lot of the time stabbing each other in the back. So, uh, but that's why he's going for Greece, of course. At any rate, um, it's going to be a very, very enjoyable um, evening. And we're going to, it's going to be tightly uh, structured in terms of time. Um, Boris is going to speak first. And you're going to hear some extracts um, from, from writings that he has chosen. And then Mary is going to speak. Same kind of thing for Greece. And then they're going to go head to head. At that point, you will hear the, um, the verdict of the vote that you took as you came in. And the idea is to see which way you voted as you came in and whether our two speakers have been able to persuade you to change your mind and therefore what's happened by the end. And you'll get plenty of time to ask questions. I would ask only three things when you ask questions. Stand up, wait for the microphone and be terse. All right. Um, without more ado, Boris Johnson, making the case for Rome. Good evening. Well, it's no exaggeration to say that the answer to this entire debate can be found in the first scene, the first line, and indeed the first word of the greatest poem ever composed, the fountainhead of Western literature, which is, of course, the Iliad of Homer, and uh, what word does it begin with? Menin, that's right, Menin, A-A-Dithea, Peleia, Joachileos, sing goddess of the wrath of Achilles, the son of peace. 
Do you have any comments about that debate? <laughs> I do, yes. Um, I did watch the whole thing, and I think I may have even watched it twice. Um, so Boris Johnson was actually mayor of London at that point. He oh, was I prime see. minister yet. And Mary Beard um, teaches at Cambridge University. Um, I really like her work. I've read some of her books, and she's um, she's great when it comes to basically bringing the Roman world to the public. But after seeing that debate, um, I disagree with her on many points. And I have to say, Boris really won that debate. Oh, I, I know. I know Mary's not going to like it, but Boris definitely won that debate. And I was surprised. I was really surprised he did. Um, so I, there were two points that I actually wanted to um, bring up in uh, this podcast that Mary brought up. And she said, for example, I study the history as it happened, not as it might have been. Um, when when um, Pyrrhus of, uh, King Pyrrhus of Epirus arrived in the south of, of uh, Italy and very nearly destroyed the Romans with his elephants, but they were brave enough to, to fight back and, and, and they won the day, if they had won, would the ancient world actually have been any the worse if we had had a series of different kingdoms and, and republics around the Mediterranean, if Carthage, which was an outward-going, trading, um, fascinating culture, had survived rather than Rome, would it have really been much worse? Under counterfactuals like that, you know, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, well, right. Pyrrhus might have had a bit of a better go. Pyrrhus actually was, was quite a lad, I have to say. And he played a great trick on the Romans because he invited uh, one of their ambassadors to dinner and he carefully concealed an elephant <laughs> behind the curtain. And, and in the, when the dessert came, he revealed the elephant and the Roman ambassador thought, blimey, you know, I'm off. I am the foggiest clue. I study the history as it happened, not the history as it might have been, which is why I want to come back to... Well, I mean, that's a little bit of a loaded statement. How does she know what it was really like? I mean, was she there to witness it? Hmm. And she's the one who's basically arguing in many of her articles and books that History says a lot about us and not necessarily a lot about the Romans. So, again, it's kind of this bringing your own perspective and your own biases and your own training to the study of antiquity. Um, but my biggest, my biggest problem with um, her argument toward the end that um, you pointed me to was when she said, um, no classical original Greek sculpture survives we only know it thanks to the Romans. And I remember Boris kind of laughing at that because first of all, we don't only know it thanks to the Romans. Yes, the Romans, of course, did preserve a lot of Greek art. Overall question first, Mary, in the end, despite everything you say, Roman culture is utterly parasitic on what the Greeks discovered. Oh, to you. oh Jesus. Question. Look, no. <laughs> and then they killed him no. too. No. <laughs> Can we, you know, this is again, no, no, I'm sorry, there's a fact reality check here. You know, Boris goes all gooey at the thought of classical Greek art. So now, apart from, so uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, apart from architectural sculpture, like the Parthenon, no classical original Greek sculpture survives. We only know it thanks to the Romans. 
Romans. I mean, you were saying the, uh, the, the, the Greeks, to, to Roman versions, uh, and also, you know, it, yes. look, don't go back to the 1950s. They used to say in the 1950s it was all copies then. Copy we the now art, know that it's concept. creative imitation. And Boris says, look, uh, the, the Greeks gave us Rome. He's got it the wrong way round. The Romans gave us Greece, partly because they actually preserved the statues that we can now see, and also because it, the literature we have from ancient Greece is actually their choice. So we are seeing Greek culture always, rather nicely, I think, through Roman spectacles. Nothing that the Romans weren't interested in have survived from the classical Greek world. Well, that, Period and true. No, that's, that's not quite true. Well, that's not true, because... That obviously... That, 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 that's, that's, that's obviously untrue, because... Um, <laughs> There are plenty of things, there are plenty, there are plenty of bits of statues. But there are many, many examples of Greek art um, that were from either the archaic or classical or other periods uh, in the pre-Roman world that are still surviving and they were not saved because of the Romans. So we have a lot of statues, for example, in Greece. I will give you just two examples. Um, so the Zeus of Artemision and uh, the charioteer of Delphi they're both bronze statues. They were not saved by the Romans. I mean, the Romans pillaged Delphi. They could have taken the charioteer away if they had even seen it because some of these were underground as well. Um, the Zeus of Artemisium was found in the sea. So the Romans probably never saw it. And then we also have what she forgot to mention, a ton of material that came from graves which neither the Greeks nor the Romans would have actually seen. So if most of the material in Greek museums that comes from the classical period, or at least you know, a, a high percentage of it comes from graves, the Romans never saw it. So how could the Romans actually have just preserved Greek art and it's thanks to them that we know everything about Greek art? It's um, I think Boris could have caught her there, but he didn't really say much. <laughs> well, what did I, you think? What did you think of the debate? Your your points that you brought up in the debate, I when she made that broad statement about uh, that there were no examples and that the, everything we have is from the Romans, I. I from my reading, I, I thought, well, God, I got, I got to shelf a whole bunch of examples. <laughs> yes. what, what, what is she exactly is she talking about? What about new discoveries that you talk about stuff underground? And and I, I I was starting to write it off as as you know they were for they were trying to push for entertainment. Uh, they were, you know, it was one side takes one side and one side the other. I I I was a little surprised that she believes that. Now, maybe she doesn't. Maybe it was done for entertainment's sake, but... I don't think so. I don't think so, because she knew that the audience had a lot of um, members of, you know, the the public who were Greek or um, oh, scholars. Oh. So I don't think it was meant for entertainment, because... That, it, it's surprising. And to me, uh, being... But, you know, scholars make mistakes all the time. I mean, it's not anything against her, but it was kind of a loaded statement to make, and... Uh, it's one of the reasons I don't let my students to basically watch that um, debate because there's a lot that's debatable, let's just say, about the actual debate. 
But then again, um, she also forgot to mention um, that there's a lot of material from Greek history that was um, from even before the classical and archaic period. So what about the Mycenaeans, for example? Even the Greeks didn't know enough about the Mycenaeans because most of the material that we have in museums from the Mycenaean period today was underground in the classical and uh, later periods. So again, like where do you draw the line? Like what's, um, how far back does Greek art and Greek architecture go in Greece? I just think there's more discoveries to be had. And, and I, I, I think we haven't dug up everything. I wouldn't be surprised if something uh, extremely valuable comes up from underneath the ground. Not just valuable, but something that will explain a lot further. But someone says that all the writings from ancient Rome, we only have 1% uh, of all the writings that yeah, yeah. ever took place. Well, if we only have 1%, that's very small. That We might discover something that will just change our perceptions. If For we sure. Discover it, and I, I remember an NPR uh, ad where they went into a trash dump in in Egypt, and they came up with a a poem uh, of of the of a Greek poet that they thought was lost. Sappho, I think. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, Sappho, yeah. and and they were able to draw it draw it out. So out of thousands of years, you know, in a in a trash heap because of lack of oxygen, this thing was sitting there. So I, I just think it's amazing. We've um, barely scratched the surface, really. There's just so much um, there to be discovered and also um, to be reinterpreted as well. Hmm. That's also very important. So new generations of scholars will reinterpret older material.